All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome into the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 14. My name's Andrew Drozdak and I am one of your co-hosts. And we are excited to be here. I am joined, as always, by the coolest guy I know, the best brewer in town, my best buddy, Thomas Bowen. Bowen, how you doing? Well, I guess I'm glad one of us, at least one of us, is excited because look, let's let's just be let's just be forthright and be honest with with our loyal listeners here after last weekend, and uh, let's call it what it is: the piss poor performance. From the Gamecocks, at least on one side of the ball, I uh, considered throwing my uh, my podcast skills into the transfer portal and leaving this portal or leaving this podcast, excuse me, for a uh, uh, a much more successful team. But you know, to our listeners, you have to thank Andrew for making me uh, a strong pitch and an offer I could not refuse. There may or may not be some NIL money from our good friends at twice the ice involved, but we won't get into that. Hey. Suffice to say, suffice to say, I'm, I'm sticking around. You're stuck with me a little bit longer and let's see if we can go get the bag this year. Yeah, man. I hear you, dude. It was a uh, tough, tough sledding, uh, a disappointing, weird, lackluster performance by the offense uh, for South Carolina against Clemson. Uh, we're so hot and bothered by this. We're just jumping into it. Let me regress for just a second here. If you're a new listener to this show, we are the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast because we believe Thomas and I are slightly above average football fans. We played the game. We coach the game. We're obsessed with the game. We focus on it. We study it. We break it down. We've been talking to each other for, about it for years, so we finally just put some microphones in front of us and started doing this. We think you'll learn. We think you'll enjoy yourselves. And because we are University of South Carolina alumni and diehard fans from the time we were born, we talk mostly about the University of South Carolina Gamecock football team. We will dive into other teams around the country, particularly this week. But overall, it's all about the Gamecock. So jumping back in, South Carolina played Clemson. If you're listening to that pod, this podcast and you didn't know that, I'm confused what you're doing here. But South Carolina <laughs> played Clemson last Saturday, and it was a disaster on offense. Uh, the Gamecocks lost the game. They did not look good on offense. Thomas, it was the first time this season I may have had times previously where I kind of disagreed with certain moves by D'Lo, but I just flat out questioned what he was doing on offense this week. Bad. It was bad. Yeah. It was shell shock city. Um, you know, things started off really bad with a swing pass. Thomas, let's just get this out there. What did, did, did you see it as a lateral or a backward pass? What is your take on it? It's a great question because I obviously that that play and and for for listeners again who who may not have seen it there there was a swing pass that South Carolina has has run countless times in in numerous games this year uh this time to Xavier Leggett out in the flat and it was a dropped ball he was open there was nobody in his face uncharacteristic drop on him uh Clemson uh was heady enough to pick it up return it and uh, the ruling on the field, this is the important part of what I'm going to get in. The ruling on the field was that it was a fumble. 
that it was a, uh, I guess, a a backwards pass or essentially a, a lateral or a pitch. Here's my thing. I think it was really close, and I saw every angle. I'm sure you saw every angle on Twitter, on TV. It was very close. I think the call on the field was the death knell there. I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn it. Had it been called on the field as a forward pass and um, and an incomplete, again, I don't think there'd be enough evidence to overturn it. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, saw it from every angle. To me, now, Thomas, I will say, this is what referees are taught to do right now. They are taught to let the play play out, play it as if it's a fumble, and then review it. So I don't blame them for that, even though you're making a great point. There wasn't evidence to support overturning the call, but they made the right decision because a lot of times referees mess that up. You need to let that play out, and then you go look at the review and go, okay, no, that was a forward or a lateral. It's not a fumble. So they did the right thing there, but you're right. Being that it was called a fumble, returned for a touchdown on the field, there was not irrefutable evidence to overturn that call to me except for an angle that they definitely would not have had it had it not been for replay football that was kind of an above spencer radler's head view from one of those cameras on a wire i'm guessing that was the only angle that made it look slightly backward to me at the at most i thought it was even which if it's even it's a it's a pass and it's an incompletion but I do think it's inexcusable, and I love Xavier Leggett. You got to jump on that football. Absolutely. Don't, don't. That's situational football. You have those practice periods in your in your practices for this very reason. You're you you work on this. I am 40 years old. I have not played football in a very long time. And if I see a football on the ground during a game, my body makes me go ball, 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 ball. Because we had a chance at practice during periods that we all, it didn't matter if you were on the field or not, when the ball hit the ground, everybody started saying ball. And if you didn't, we did up-downs. So I'm conditioned like Pavlov's dog. If a ball hits the ground on a football field, I'm going to say ball. He's got to know to jump on that. And really, Thomas, that just, I I didn't put us behind the eight ball. It just felt like we were shell-shocked. It felt like we couldn't get over what happened yeah and it completely takes your your home field advantage out of it before right. you even have a chance to assert that absolutely 100 percent. and you know the offensive line i'm, I'm not going to continue for now because we'll have a section later where we talk a little bit more about it to beat this dead horse but it just wasn't good enough uh and you're going to talk when you get your time here in a second about the blitzing that was going on by clemson and why we didn't make any sort of reasonable changes there i do question and i've been saying it for weeks why did we not see lenora sellers just to make the defense's eyes look at something different i'm not saying spencer did not play well spencer had his worst game of the year at the worst possible time but it you just do something to make the defense think and it just never happened Thomas, I mean, honestly, there's that's not a huge recap, but it's really the same thing on a broken record. One thing that was different on that Saturday night was how the South Carolina defense played. Those guys lined up, buckled their chin straps, and they were some stone-cold killers. And if we needed some ice for some stone-cold killers, where could we get a great deal on it? 
Yeah, yeah, great question, Andrew. Great question. It's uh, it's it's there's getting a little nip in the air. It's getting cold outside. I'm sitting out here right now, freezing my ass off with every layer of clothing that I own to do this podcast. But you're right. You need some ice. We're gonna hook you up. We're gonna give you a good deal. You got the holidays coming up. You're gonna need some ice for that brine. If you're brining your turkey, maybe you're a madman and brining your uh, your pork butts. Don't know Ooh. why, but hey, you do you. Uh, I don't agree with it, but that's another episode. But I don't know why people are still running up to the bodega around the corner to buy their ice. They're charging you almost three dollars plus tax. Seven pound bag. They used to be ten pounds, then eight. Now they're only seven. I don't understand why people are doing that when you can get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds dumped directly in your cooler for only $2.50. They've got machines conveniently around the Columbia Midlands area, Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia, downtown, even Eastover. When you're heading out that way to make a run to the dump and throw some crap away for the holidays, swing on by there and get you some ice for, for that Saturday of football. And we have a special offer for you, our listeners. You can get one bag absolutely free. When you're standing at the machine, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number with a bag slide out. Super cool, super easy and convenient. Try it out for your next tailgate or your holiday gathering. Participating locations can be found at tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice. All right. Andrew, defense, I think you would agree with me that this was one of the most, if not the most complete games from this defense this year. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, I would say you could make an argument based on the power five opponent. This was their best performance from top to bottom uh, all season without question. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when you talk about a defense that that ke- uh, Clemson didn't have a single offensive score, they scored on that uh, bull crap we talked about earlier, and then they were held to three field goals, right? Three field mm-hmm. goals by Gordon Gecko himself, the financial advisor. <laughs> if, if you, Who, I don't know if you way, knew that. By the way, two of them at least was were from fifty yards out, right? Which he uh, was. I thought it was. I don't think he hit fifty. I thought it was forty plus, though. Maybe it was forty plus. It whatever it was, he I, listen. I was I was at a, a super fun oyster roast. Was barely paying attention to the game. Um, I'm not. I'm kidding. I was watching it a little bit, but <laughs> I uh, I was when they showed up that graphic that said like he's one of seven from 45 yards out. I was like, well, we're in great shape. And then he goes yeah. three for three, and you know, you're right. That was their only offensive points. So again, back to your point. Defense played phenomenally. Okay, there there was I'm just I'm just I'm checking the sheet here. There was at least one of 50 because his long was 50. But yeah, all that to say, South Carolina defense played uh phenomenal. Uh held Clemson to uh just over 300, I believe. Yeah, 319 total yards. And let's be honest, a lot of those were some garbage time rushing touchdowns. Bam Martin Scott, we've been talking about him the last few weeks since he's really come on. 10 tackles, uh, number two on the team behind Debo with 11 tackles. This defense produced five tackles for loss. We've been talking about that this season, about how we've really been missing out on that. Three pass deflections. Nick E with another interception. Dude is really starting to come into form in that position. 
Um, but yeah, just zero offensive touchdowns for Clemson, three field goals. You really can't ask for a whole lot more out of that. And we're going to, we'll get in, I'm going to stop with the defense there because we'll get in a little bit later about kind of how things work or things look for next year, because this was a five win team. They are not going bowling. This season is over. So to touch back on the offense again. Yeah. Offense was terrible. One of Rattler's worst games. He was pressing a lot. Yeah, he had a lot of pressure in his face, but let's be honest, he's been having pressure in his face all season. But this was one of the first games, maybe the first game that I've seen the pressure affect his mechanics the way that it did. If you look, throw after throw he was making was off of his back foot. Quarterbacks, and I never play quarterback. I don't have the arm or the brain or even the wherewithal to do it, but quarterback is so much about footwork where it is about eyes and, and everything between the ears is so much mechanics involved as far as uh point of release, where you're releasing that ball, how far back, if you're on your back foot, if you're on your front foot and it can skew the entire pass. But I saw Rattler time after time throwing off his back foot, trying to lob it over somebody, just bad mechanics, and and it got worse as the game went on. And the more he started pressing, the worse that was. You mentioned this may have get, been one of uh, D'Lo, Dow Loggins' worst games, and I agree. I put a lot of this on him. Clemson was blitzing very often. I mean, it seemed like damn near every play they were bringing extra pressure. Here's the thing, man. Since Pop Warner, people are taught, and again, I don't, I don't know if I'm putting this entirely on D'Lo, some of this on Spencer as well. When you're getting blitz like that, throw at the blitz. And here's what we mean by that. When somebody is blitzing, they're leaving an area. They're leaving an area wide open. There is a void in that defense. That's why people say throw at the blitz we did not do that all night we did not go to max protect we did not roll spencer out more get things on the perimeter i don't know if that was gun shy after that opening drive uh turnover but well, what was thomas I, not to interrupt you but what was so frustrating about that is we've shown a lot of creativity Delo had shown a lot of creativity for the past three to four weeks where he was doing all the things you were talking about moving the pocket getting creative you know throwing to the throwing to the blitz and you know when your quarterback's struggling and is shell shocked get him some easy completions throw a slant throw a mesh get the ball out of his hand get him two or three easy passes in a row hell even if you don't get a first down get his confidence let him see his guys catch the ball and it just never happened and i don't understand why yeah, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. 86 total yards and two turnovers in the first half. Like, that. that's hard to overcome against anybody. And I, I have to agree with you also when Clemson is pinning their ears back and bringing extra pressure because they know that Rattler's not a threat to run and he's right. not throwing into that blitz. All the more reason why the hell did we not see a Lenora Sellers package? Why do we not at least make them respect his legs, another weapon on that offense? Finally... Finally, on offense, and I'll put it to bed with this, the one touchdown that the Gamecocks had was a horrible, horrible play call. Yes. And for our listeners, anyone that did not miss that, this was essentially, and I'll put this in the most simplified terms as possible, this was a double reverse that ended up going to Luke Doty, former quarterback, wide receiver. And I'm I'm pretty sure 
that the first read on that was he was supposed to throw it to Spencer Rattler in the end zone, which, again, makes it an even stupider play call. Ultimately, Doty made the right cut and and mashed it into the end zone. But the entire time, I don't care. Yeah, we scored. That's great. It's the only offensive points or the only points we had in the entire game. But the whole time we're running that play, I'm screaming, this is dumb, this is dumb, this is dumb. Well, what that play was, Thomas, was a botched Philly special. That all, That's kind of what I was thinking. All my Eagles fans will know, but we ran the Super Bowl with our boy Big Dick Nick, and he caught the ball in the end zone wide open. But here's the difference. We called that right against the half on a fourth, and, and I think it was more like it was fourth and goal, but it certainly went from the one. But it was a catch. Yeah, it was shorter. It was a catch you off guard moment. Like it was, you know, it was much better. It made much more sense in the moment to call it. And so, it, yeah, it was one of my friends, uh, Big Eagles fan, Jake, sent me a text. It was like, how about a botched Philly Philly for a touchdown? I was like, that was the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it yeah. was great that we got a touchdown, but you're right. Just awful. All right, Thomas, we're going to we're gonna flush the Clemson game. It, it's we've, we've had enough of that disaster. Before we get into our next section, Thomas, um, I don't have it on the rundown, but you and I talked about it a little bit. There are, you know, transfer portal season has begun. And there have been rumors, A.J. Jefferson, quarterback for Arkansas, where D'Lo came from, is – now, this part is confirmed. He has entered the transfer portal. He is leaving yeah. Arkansas. Or, or when it officially opens, which is right. what, like tomorrow is, or whatever. He's declared that he will enter the portal. There right. are rumors or, or, or reports. Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports – has has put out on on social media that he is getting reports that South Carolina is the leader for KJ, and that makes sense. There's a Daryl Loggins connection there. You know he he played you know he played at Arkansas where, where Loggins was coaching before he came to South Carolina. At first, Thomas, you and I had very similar reactions of what are we doing? We have Lenora Sellers. Why are we doing this? And Dante Reno coming in behind him. Right, right. and we had. Then you made a very good point that because of KJ's eligibility, this is a one-year rental if he was to come in, and it gives you another year of maturation for Lenora Sellers. And you made a great point when we were texting about this, like, if Sellers is on board, it's not a bad thing. However, I think that piece is a very big if. You better be damn sure if you're Shane Beamer and staff that Lenoris is on board for this. So, Thomas, you got to think, first of all, to get KJ here, there's going to be a big NIL commitment. There's going to be a big NIL commitment. And he's also not coming here for his last year of eligibility to compete with a redshirt freshman for the starting job. Like, everybody technically competes, but – He's going to be told. I mean, Spencer Rattler, when he transferred from Oklahoma, knew he was the starter. Yeah, AJ's going to want that same level of of commitment of his playing time. It's an interesting prospect. This is the new world we live in in college football. It's the wild, wild west now that we're in this world. I like what you said later in the day when we were texting about. How it's a great, you know, hey, Lenoris doesn't have to be rushed. He can continue to develop, and we can work the offense with a veteran who scored a whole lot of touchdowns in the SEC 
that can maybe make up for a bad play call with his ability. Where do you sit now? Because the last we talked about it was a couple hours ago. Do you still have that mindset of this one-year rental is probably not a bad idea if we can make it happen? And you said something that I think is very valuable and true. You don't turn down a kid who scored over four touch, 40 touchdowns in the SEC if if he wants to come play for you. Yeah, because the thing is, is like, so, and, and I think this is even more, this is more paramount now that uh, I think, and I have not confirmed this, but I think the the other quarterbacks on our roster, Tanner Bailey, Cole Gauthier, they have entered the portal. Isn't that correct? That is confirmed, yes. They, they yeah. both have announced they will be going to the portal. So, so you need depth there. And K.J. Jefferson, just to put things in perspective here for people, uh, I didn't realize this until I saw somebody else posted earlier. KJ Jefferson has 88 touchdowns. That's that's rush and pass touchdowns in 44 mm. career games in the SEC. The record at South Carolina, which Connor Shaw holds, is 73 touchdowns in 43 career games. Wow. Sellers is going to be a redshirt freshman next year, as you mentioned, and this is a rental quarterback. He could vastly improve our run game. The other benefit of this is he and Sellers have very similar skill sets, whereas you could build structure and build this offense exactly the same. You don't have to call it differently. You don't have to package it differently based on the quarterback. Like if KJ was a starter, he goes down, Sellers has to go in. You just keep the train rolling. Now, so all of that to say, I'm on board with it. Uh, I think if if he truly wants to come here, I think we take him. You have to. Now, the kicker of that is I have also heard that you mentioned the the age that we live in today with the transfer portal and also the NIL. Uh, I have been told, and of course, under no certain circumstances, and none of this is confirmed because it will never get confirmed, but he got upwards of $750,000 at Arkansas. Mm. I, I don't think, A, that he's worth 750k as much as I would like to have him I don't think he's worth 750k mm-hmm. here at South Carolina for one year and I also don't think that the NILs and collectives and what have you at South Carolina would pay that mm-hmm. for him not to mention finally I don't think that they can give him the guarantee that he would be the starting quarterback the entirely different situation when Rattler's coming here no disrespect to the quarterbacks on the roster, but it was pretty easily easy to say, Rattler, if you come here, you got the freaking job. Right. You can't say that right now with Sellers. So that's that's my only hangups at this point. But if if it's mutually agreeable, if Sellers is on board and we don't have to pay three quarters of this new million dollar donation we're getting to Carolina Rise for it, then yeah, take him. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, my initial, and I'll be honest, this is just I was like, why would he want to come here? Lenoris is just a younger version of him. And like probably with he... a more accurate arm, too. Correct. And then I was like, is he wanting to like move to tight end or something? Like, what are we what are we doing here? So it didn't make any sense. Um, I, I don't think that this is gonna happen. I I true freshman, red shirt freshman, we've seen enough of Lenoris that will there be some lumps, maybe that an experienced SEC quarterback may not have, possibly, but I also think what you just said is exactly correct. Lenoris is a much better passer than K.J. Jefferson. I'd rather have him throwing the ball than K.J. I'm just 
from what I've seen from a pure pure arm talent situation. So interesting enough. Anyway, moving on. So we got a little section that we haven't done before. It's called overreaction or proper reaction. So overreaction means I'm going to read Thomas's statement and he's going to tell me it's an overreaction or a proper reaction. Thomas, we're going to actually, I have one on the rundown, but we're going to start with an even easier one to start us off. So overreaction or proper reaction, Thomas, Christmas Vacation is the best Christmas movie ever made. Um, that's an overreaction. Oh, and, and I'm I'm certain that people are gonna be screaming at their phone or their radio, prob- possibly even one or both of my brothers if they happen to listen to the episode this week. But it's funny you bring that up because I just had this conversation with some of my Bruin buddies on a group text earlier. I'm in shock right now because <laughs> one I'm asked me said said uh, in y'all's opinion what's the best Christmas movie and I was like first of all I can't answer that because it, it, you know all of them are great for different reasons and so he said no gun to your head right now you gotta watch one what are you saying don't at me but I'm taking home alone over Christmas vacation holy shit are you <laughs> kidding me I stand I- by it I stand by it Home Alone's great. Home Alone's great. And uh, for anybody who's on the podcast, this is usually a family show, but I I cannot deal with what just happened internally. I thought I lobbed the softball up there and I've stumbled onto a landmine. Um, Wow. Okay. Christmas Vacation is great. I love it. And I watch it multiple times every year. It is in my top five, probably top three. Top five. Okay. But but I'm just saying, I don't know, man. Home Alone has, has a special place in my heart. I do enjoy Home Alone a lot. Saw it recently when I was down at my sister's for Thanksgiving. It'd been a minute since I watched it. It's really good. But wow, man. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to actually go to what I thought was an easy one that I'm pretty sure I know you'll find this to be easy. Overreaction under our proper reaction. Spencer Radler would be crazy to come back next season. 100% would be crazy. And yeah. let's be honest, like when we were making the rundown, like I don't think he had made his official announcement. And of course, now he has. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't there there's there's nothing more that he's gonna do to improve no. his, his stock. He needs to go get paid, and I don't blame yeah. him one bit for it. No, yeah, you're exactly right. He already made his official declaration. And uh, by the way, speaking of Lenore Sellers, he scared the crap out of me on Instagram because on his Instagram story, what he did was he reposted um uh Spencer's post, but I, I click on Lenoris and it starts off. Dear nation, I was like, no. You're like, he heard the KJ Jefferson rumors. He's out of here. Uh, Yeah, no, Spencer would be foolish, and the risk reward of getting injured is just not worth it. So I, I I wish him and every single Gamecock fan with any brain on their uh, in their head and on their shoulders and slightly above average, slightly below average, ought to say the exact same thing. He he should go, and he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think um and he has said and i love him for this and i think he's a guy who will continue to come back to south carolina he is he said in his post that his two years at south carolina were his best years in his football life i i fully believe he feels that way i think he will be a gamecock i think he's a player that will always associate himself as a gamecock and, and i really love that so yeah total proper reaction there all right thomas overreaction proper reaction Clayton White did enough at the end of the season to justify keeping his job. All right. I've been 
I've been dreading this one because I don't like it. I don't like what I'm about to say, but hear me out on this. Yes, I do. Mm. And I hate to say it. And I really hate to say it. But here, here's my reason behind that. Now, this is with the caveat that, that we we don't know for certain the the last few games ever since you know there's been the switch to the odd fronts and such is you know is it is it Clayton White has he been demoted we don't know what's going on in that room but let's assume that he's not let's assume that this is Clayton White Clayton White's calling his defense I do and, and I hate it because and maybe part of it is because I don't I can't sit here and tell you well we should go get this guy and he's a he's a legitimate possibility. I think this defense was much like the offense was hammered with injuries. I think there is a ton of youth on this defense. I saw once people settled into roles the last third of the season, I saw progress there. I saw progress on the back end. I saw progress from the linebackers. This defense could be very special next year if they can hold on to some of the pieces. And I think you have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he can do with a lot of this young talent coming back next year. I may eat my words next year, but I'm going to say proper reaction on that, and I hate it. All right, Thomas, let me ask you this. Are you basing that on the fact that we think his change to a 3-3-5 was his doing? Yeah, I I do. I I think I'm basing it. It's a combination. I'm basing it on, yeah, if it was truly him – his ability to adapt and adjust. It should have been done earlier in the season, but that's neither here nor there. That plus the fact that I saw some development from players, some young guys, and I kind of want to see how they progress. And let's be honest, if 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 he was to get canned, there's going to be attrition. There's going to be some guys that jump in the portal. And I don't think that we can afford to lose any starters on defense from this current roster. I would agree with you wholeheartedly there. And, there's always going to be attrition now with the transfer portal, and why add to that? I, I, I agree with you also that the switches probably should have been made earlier. Um, but I also think you're right in the fact that we saw some development. I, Thomas, can you put your finger on, because I really can't, Nick E, DQ, like they lit the world on fire last season. Was that... This early year, was this just the offensive coordinators having an offseason to pick apart their weaknesses? They struggled. Like, let's just call it what it is. They struggled at times. And now I know because of injuries, they were put in some certain positions where they weren't usually in. But even in their typical role, I didn't feel like they were as crisp. What do you, if anything, do you attest that to? Yeah, I think um and I don't I don't have numbers or, or stats to back this up, but I think uh last year I think the front four or front six, rather six or seven, got more pressure. I don't think our guys were Fair. playing on islands for as long as they were this year. And nobody can cover anybody successfully for that long if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. So I think that was a big part of it. No, you got a great point there. That's a really good point I hadn't considered. All right, moving to our next overreaction, proper reaction. Thomas, based on the injuries and the struggles to get a push up front on the offense and defensive line, Luke Day should be replaced as our strength and conditioning coach. 
proper reaction. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, kind of where we stood on that. And, and again, I've, I've never, I've never worked or, or lived in that world as far as the strength and conditioning coach, but I just, there, there's just so many freaking injuries this year. And you have to, as, as somebody who does not live in that world, but is also getting older and has a back issues and I know my body and I have to take care of certain things and I have to do stupid things in the gym to make sure I don't throw my back out like a 50 year old man. So I I get it. I I think there's just more nuances to it these days. And I think, and I don't know what kind of program he's running, but it's, I don't think that our players are being put in the best physical position as far as body makeup and conditioning that they need to be to prevent some of these injuries. So I'm going proper again on this one. I'm going to agree with you there. I feel like it's proper as well. You know, in football, there has been a movement of late of of working on things like, I don't know, core, you know, flexibility, all that micro movements, right? Which is important, but at the end of the day, there there's value in can you bench press? Can you squat a lot? Can you power clean? Because at the end of the day, football, particularly along the line of scrimmage, and as a linebacker tackling, as a running back running the ball, it's about power. Can you dominate another man? And I don't care if you've done Pilates and yoga for, you know, six weeks. I need you to be able to bench press a dude off you. And I just, I don't know. New age is great and all. I'm with you. I think it's time to make a move. I've heard rumblings online that Shane was very upset about the amount of injuries. Because there's, and you've talked, you and I've talked about this, soft tissue injuries, hamstring injuries, pulled ligaments. Your strength and conditioning program is designed to protect those things as much as it is to make you strong. So I just I think it's time to move on there. All right, Thomas, this one I can tell by the show notes got your blood boiling. Proper reaction or overreaction? Nick Harbor should not play wide receiver next season. Are you on drugs right now? <laughs> because not. when you put this in here, I was like, hoo, 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 hoo. Ooh, boy, I can't wait to get into this one. Um, I, I'm 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 anxious to, to hear your reasoning behind this, but even without hearing your reasoning, the reason excuse me that I think this is a an overreaction is Nick Harbour is a we both agree is a freak of an athlete. He is a freak, he is huge, and he is outrageously fast and as we know being a successful wide receiver in the sec or even at any upper level is is about more than being huge and or blazing speed however this kid's a freshman uh and he made a lot of strides this year and i think that he is so big and he is so fast if he can continue to develop as far as mechanics, running routes, getting position on guys, and all of those little nuanced things that wide receivers have to be able to do, you have to keep him there. What I really want to know from you is, where the hell do you want to put him? So this is the old uh, trickaroo in a way. I've I've seen this on the internet. I've seen people suggesting this. I could not agree with you more. This is the most absurd thing 
I have ever heard. Last week when we when we were doing the pod, you talked about a friend of yours who's a, a Carolina fan talking about Spencer Radler, you know, and, and some things he said that showed him he's a slightly below average football fan or showed you that. Anyone who makes this suggestion, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but you're a slightly below average football fan. Like you, you, you don't get it. So you don't you don't truly believe that he should be moved from wide receiver? Absolutely not. You just pull on the old circle jerk on me. Correct. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Good. You're not I, on drugs then. No, I thought I I just saw it and saw the absurdity and like it was something I kept seeing and I was like, am I crazy? Am I on drugs? Like, what did I miss? And I'm you know, and so it was more like eventually just like I mean Thomas's head is going to explode. So when you when you wrote into the notes, what I was like, yep, cool, cool, cool. Got exactly what I needed to know. Um, I think that's absurd. I think that's nuts. And I will tag along on that. I'm just going to tell you, if you're a South Carolina football fan and you're at all in any way, shape or form calling for Coach Steps job, I need you to just get off the bandwagon. Go join another fan base. The man recruits. He develops like that's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. You do not know what you're talking about, and it's absurd. Coach Step, Justin Step, should be our 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 wide receiver coach. He is a phenomenal wide receiver coach. That is the most ridiculous thing. Have we had misses in that room? Sure, we have, but it's not because he can't recruit or evaluate talent. Sometimes you just freaking miss. And the kids he does have, Xavier Leggett is the perfect example. Don't talk to me about that. That's the most absurd thing I've seen. And it literally makes my blood boil because he is a great football coach who wants to be here, dreamed of being a Gamecock football player, dreamed of being a Gamecock football coach. And you, you know, overly vocal minority group that doesn't know what you're talking about are going to be people who uh, could drive him out. Stop talking. Please stop talking. You don't know what you're talking about. All right, Thomas, next one. South Carolina has to hit the transfer portal hard this offseason or next season will be worse than this season as far as the team's record. Yeah, yeah, it's that as a proper reaction. Here's 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 kind of where I stand on that. I, I think that there are certainly some priorities here. I think running back is a priority. I now think that quarterback is a bit of a priority with uh, with all the backups gone. Uh, you know, jury's still out on the KJ Jefferson situation, as we mentioned earlier. But the the big elephant in the room is the offensive line. And I know that people are saying, look, we need to hammer the portal for offensive linemen. And I don't disagree. But but here's here's the problem with that. And I want to see if you agree with me on this, because there and we've gotten offensive linemen in the portal before. Gargiulo was a portal guy. Uh, we might have had another one on there. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They all suck right now anyway. But there's not a lot of offensive linemen in the portal. And in my opinion, the reason for that is if an offensive lineman is capable and he may not be a, a second or even a third stringer, because you need, as South Carolina has shown this year, you need so much depth at offensive line, maybe more at offensive line than any other position on the field other than maybe defensive line, you need depth there. So if you are a capable offensive lineman, teams 
are going to find spots for you to keep you on the roster. It is incredibly hard to find offensive linemen in the portal. With that said, flipping to the defensive side of the ball, you always want DBs. You always want defensive linemen. We, you and I have talked about, there's a possibility of our two starting interior guys, uh, TJ Sanders and Tonka Hemingway. They can both come back, right? I I do believe, I know Tonka can. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, TJ, I, I feel 99% sure he can. It would be massive to keep those guys because they obviously had a little bit of up and down years, but but overall pretty strong years and to have them back would be huge on yeah. that defensive line. You've got some young guys at edge there, uh, but you want more DBs. You want depth there. You want depth on the defensive line. But obviously I think the focus has got to be on the offensive line with running back, maybe a quarterback and offensive lineman, if you can find them. And finally, wide receivers. With Juice Wells is coming back next year. Xavier Leggett's gone. Amarian Brown, he should be back, right? Ah, or is he like thirty-eight years old? I thought he was out of eligibility. He probably is, but so you've got Juice and Nick coming back. Uh, who knows what kind of kind of steps Nick is going to make? But wide receiver is another one that you can't have too many wide receivers either. Right. So I think the portal focus is obviously on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree with you there. The offense is is. Ooh, there, there's a lot of things, and, and you're exactly right. Finding quality offensive linemen in the portal has proved difficult. Maybe that changes for some reason this offseason, and maybe the NIL money starts making it to the big boys up front. But, yeah, it's tough. Um, you got to hope. You know, there are guys that were injured this year, um, you know, and there's guys that were young this year. That you know, Trey and uh, Tree and Tro played. Marquis Anderson was a, a hot, hotly, highly recruited player that didn't see the field this season because of injury. You know, he's got another year to get healthy in the weight room to get stronger, get ready. So you know, this is uh, you know, you're right, but you don't want to just bring in guys to bring in guys. And I don't know. Uh, the my biggest concern. You mentioned a lot of very good things there is the offensive line. It, 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 we've learned it this season, and it's been true for centuries of football. If you cannot block, you will not win football games. It doesn't matter how good you are at the other positions. So either we need to get developing the kids we have and fast and get them healthy, or we got to find some diamonds in the rough. I don't know. Um, that is what is scary uh, there. All right, Thomas. Another uh, overreaction. I don't know if this is an overreaction or not. Maybe it's just a hot take. It's because you, you threw me off with your Christmas vacation take. It, so I have to ask this question. Because obviously you have strong opinions on Christmas movies. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's not even debatable at this point. It is absolutely a Christmas movie. Okay, you've totally redeemed yourself in my eyes. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent okay. All right, I mean, this is why we're best friends. I, I'm okay now. You, you shook me to the core with your Christmas vacation take. But when you gave me that, when, when you went with, when you, when you went with, it's absolutely not debatable. I was like, Jesus, please. Uh, you're that. worried. You're worried. Like, if he, if he says it's not. I mean, this is gonna. This could be our last episode. It could be. It could be all over. <laughs> so, all right, you you totally redeemed yourself. We're good. All right, moving on to our next topic of conversation. 
coaching carousel, Thomas. It's that time of year. That um, time of year. And, and there's been some interesting things going on, starting off with Mike Elko, a coach you and I have talked about a lot on this show that we've been impressed with. The head Love coach at Duke has been hired as the new head coach at Texas A&M, where he was formerly the defensive coordinator for many years after a Tennessee-esque revolt by fans when Mark Stoops was originally named as Jimbo's successor. Thomas, what is, what's your read here? Like, this feels so Texas A&M, it's crazy. It really does. And so, so just in, in case... Anybody's not aware. Mike Elko does have history at AM. He was the DC there. Uh, so he knows he knows the program. He knows the state. Uh, fantastic defense coordinator has done great things at Duke. I really like Mike Elko. Uh, I liked him when he was at Duke. Hell, I liked him when he was at AM as long as he wasn't pushing our crap in. But let, let's let's back up here because it, it originally came out that Mark Stoops, current head coach, and will continue to be the head coach after this at Kentucky, it came out that AM was zeroing in on Mark Stoops, which, first of all, me personally, I thought that was crazy. Crazy. That would be crazy yeah. hire, stupid hire for multiple reasons. Tennessee, uh, excuse me, uh, AM fans just, just <laughs> I love revolted, much like uh, when Tennessee was allegedly going to hire Shiana, Gray Shiana, right? Yes. And uh, of course, Mark Stoops, to save face, put out a statement, you know, removed his name from consideration. I don't think that was the situation in the slightest. I think AM shit their pants. The brass realized this is not going to work. This is going to be another mistake. And I think AM backed out at the last yeah. minute, and right. rightfully so. I think Elko is a is a good hire there. What I don't yeah. like that Elko did, and I think this is a low-down, dirty shame move here, but kind of left out of Duke. Where the hell is Duke? Durham? Is that Durham. right? Yeah, Durham, North yeah. Carolina. Left left Durham in the middle of the night on a plane to College Station uh, after he had told everybody close to him, you know, no, I'm still looking at my options, and essentially scheduled a 10 a.m. Zoom meeting with his team to tell oh, him. That, he, no. that is a dirty, low-down, dirty move, and I, I can't uh, forgive him for that. That's a dirty move, man. That's a coward's way out. He went with yeah. a Zoom meeting? Yeah, come yeah, bad. on! In the middle of the night, leave. Whoa, that's rough. I did not hear that. That is tough. I don't like yeah. that. Um, apologies to Andrew Fisher, a uh, good friend of the show, for us not knowing where Duke is. Um, it's football season. Your your school doesn't matter. Um, but um, you're you're a Gamecock fan too, and you went to undergrad at South Carolina. <clears throat> He's gonna yell at me so much when he listens to this show soon, and he's gonna it's gonna be great. Um, and here's here's the thing: is like like look, you, you know, as as a Duke fan or or, or as but you know a uh, um, a student or whatever, just like Vandy fans, you know that your school is is a stepping stone. Your coaches aren't going to be there, but those right. kids deserve better than that. They, yeah, they did. Wrong. They fought that's their asses off for him. Had a great year. They deserve better. If you have, I can't remember who said this. But there was a college football coach that said this at some point. If you're going to stand in a kid's parents' living room and tell them, trust me with your son, I'm going to do everything I can to make his career as successful as possible and help him develop as a man and yada, yada. 
you need to have the guts when you decide to leave to stand in front of those same kids and say, hey, everything I told you, uh, you know, it may have been true in the moment, but now I'm abandoning that because you just have to face the music. And, you know, that's I, I, I hate that. Um, I, That bothers me because I I like Malco, Mike Elko a lot. Maybe there was timing. I don't know. But that that certainly rubs me the wrong way. So moving on. Jonathan Smith from Oregon State will be replacing Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Um, I'm not getting into the Mel Tucker situation at Michigan State. That is a very strange, and we are not going to discuss that. However, Thomas, do you find it kind of weird that Jonathan Smith would leave Oregon State? He played quarterback there. I mean, a little bit, but I think this is kind of one of those situations where, I mean, we, we deal with it uh, outside of athletics, just in professional life. Sometimes you got to leave the place you want to be at to get ahead and come back to it. You know, the, the, nobody's closing the door on him going back. Um, I haven't really kept up with this one a whole lot, but no, it's not that surprising because I feel like he's like, look, I got to get out of here and make a name for myself as a coach. Exactly. And I get it. And there, I did read when I was researching some stuff today, he did get kind of frustrated with the 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 top brass at Oregon State for for some uh, financial restraints on the recruiting budget and stuff like that. Ooh. So then that he was like, "Man, I love it here, but we we aren't going to win at the level that I want to win at if you y'all won't do that." So it could have been it was that he just you know wasn't going to stomach that any longer. Jeff Levy, the OC from Oklahoma will now replace Zach Arnett as head coach at Mississippi State. We, You and I have been talking for a while that, that we didn't think Arnett was going to survive this season. He was in a super tough position having yeah. to replace Mike Leach uh, after his untimely passing. And I think Levy is an air raid-ish guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that he was the OC at Oklahoma, which is where Mike Leach was OC. And, you know, won a national championship doing that with Bob Stoops. So it's just there's a lot of good feels there. I think it's it's going to be a tough road. Mississippi State is a tough place to win. Um, but I, I like this move. I think it was uh, the right move. Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think uh, that was kind of one that uh, when Arnett got canned there, I was like, man, I don't really know who they're going to go after. And then when they zeroed in on Lebby, I was like, okay, that's – that seems like a really good hire there. And you're right. He he's an air raid guy. Um uh spent some time at Baylor. I'm pretty sure he was under Art Bryles there. Yeah. Um he he's married to Bryles' daughter, by the you're way. You're right, you're right. He is he is Art Bryles' son-in-law. That is correct. I forgot about that. And um, he's got some connections to Hypel as well. Uh UCF, because he was the quarterback's coach under Heupel when Heupel was at UCF yes. there, Coach McKenzie Milton, who was fantastic there. He's also worked under Kiffin at Ole Miss. I think he's a great hire, honestly. He knows the SEC. Um, I feel like it's kind of been a long time coming. He's been very patient waiting on that head co coach role. This is his first head coaching gig. Been the, been the OC all over the place. But I think he's a great hire for Mississippi State. I'm um, kind of excited to see what he can do there. I've enjoyed seeing what he did at Oklahoma under Venables. Right. So I'm right. excited to see it. I'm happy for him. As you said, he's kind of been an OC for a while. I think he deserves a shot at it. It's going to be fun to watch. Now, from the news of the weird category, not a head coaching hire, but an offensive coordinator hire, a strange turn, 
Bobby Petrino will be leaving Texas A&M as their offensive coordinator that he did such a bang-up job that their head coach got fired because their offense was still inept to be the OC at Arkansas where he was formerly the head football coach and got relieved of his duties because of the famous potential, Thomas, we're going to talk about this year in your theory, motorcycle accident that happened to have an athletic department uh, employee on the motorcycle, allegedly. That was a young uh, intern or new hire, former volleyball player at Arkansas. Uh, you know, a little a little sketchy, a very the, the lasting image of Petrino's time in Arkansas is him in a neck brace with cuts all over his face as he leaves town. And they brought him back. Thomas, talk talk me through this. It blows my mind. Yeah, as you mentioned, like his tenure did not end well at Arkansas. He uh, it's known that he had an affair with this girl and allegedly was in a motorcycle accident. Look, I've seen uh, read a long form story earlier today from years ago about that wreck on the athletic. Apparently it was legit. But let me offer a, an alternative here. Uh, I think it's very possible that he got his ass kicked, that he got his mm-hmm. ass kicked by the boyfriend or fiance or whatever he was of this girl threw on the neck brace and used the whole motorcycle thing as a cover story, or even better. Maybe there was a motorcycle wreck, but it was Petrino trying to get away from his lover who ran him off the road. Now either way, hilarious. The second version of that story, I find more uh, plausible because I remember, and you talked to, you know, I talked about this through a text message earlier. I swear I remember there was a like what was his undoing was there was a medical record report of this accident and that there was like a 24 year old female at the scene of the accident that no one could really account for and she sort of disappeared. And that yeah. was what was his undoing. But I do think you could have something in the fact that maybe a, a, a boyfriend, a fiance, whatever came across in one way or another what was going on and it got a little hairy and and, and Petrino tried to get the heck out of Dodge. I don't know. Um, either way, what does Petrino have to gain with going back to Fayetteville? And the better question is, what's Sam Pittman thinking? What did do you think a booster from Arkansas said, you know, hey, we're going to keep you if you bring this guy back. I, what is happening? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the the better question is is what is Pittman thinking? But to your first question, what does what does Petrino gain? I'll tell you what Petrino gains because I think he's a scumbag and I think he's looking at this as look, Sam Pittman's a dead man walking. I can be there. I can just be there. It's like the last guy at the bar if you're just there, just be there and you're going to get that job. But here's the part that makes me crazy. Sam Pittman Think about this. Sam Pittman has worked under 17 different head coaches. That's more than any other active FBS head coach. He has a direct mutual 
connection with 21 active FBS coaches. He has more direct connections than almost any other active coach in the business. And this, this is who he chooses as his OC? Sam, what is you doing, baby? Yeah, what is you doing, baby? That is just, I don't understand. Grasping at straws just doesn't make sense. And the other thing you and I talked about, and I mentioned it a second ago, it's not like he, that Petrino, that is, went to College Station and turned their offense around. Like, no. it, that didn't happen. Had that have happened, maybe they'd have kept him in College Station instead of Mike Elko. Now, that, let, me get, let me give you a little perspective to play devil's advocate. And I'm not saying that he did great things in AM. And I'm not saying he's a great OC because he hasn't had a dynamic offense since, you know, over a decade ago. But it is true that AM did go from 97th in scoring to 22nd while having a third string walk on quarterback the last three games and a backup quarterback since game five. You can't discount that. I'm not saying that is evidence that he is going to turn Arkansas around but that is a, a solid point of reference. You got a va valid point there. I just still think that decision was strange. We'll see how that pans out. Is it Sam Pittman's undoing? Did he just hire his replacement? I mean, I don't, I don't know. All right, let's look at, we are now at the college conference, uh, excuse me, conference championship weekend in college football. Easy for me to say. Thomas, this is your, where you run the show. Talk to us about the first game you got on the docket. I love it, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for this weekend. So, And, and here, here's the beauty of this weekend is uh, the cardiac cocks are not playing, so you don't have to worry about getting good and lubed up before that game and, uh, and having your hearts ripped out. So we're going to kick it off. We're going to start it on Friday. The action starts on Friday, folks. Get, call your bookies. Get your wagers in. 8 o'clock. The Pac-12, nay, maybe Pac-2 championship, number five, Oregon, versus number three, Washington. Oregon is favored by a nine and a half here. Um, I love both of these teams. I'm really excited for this game. I think this game, I don't even know what the over-under is on this game, but it's probably, well, I mean, uh, I mean, Oregon's got a pretty good defense too. So I don't know, man. This, this could be a boat race, and, and I'm here for it. I think Oregon... I think Oregon is going to win this game favored by nine and a half. I think they are the better team than Washington, but man, I'm excited for this game. I'm super excited for this game. I think this game has the potential to have the most impact on, um, on the college football playoff. And I, I I'm excited about what it could mean. I want to see Oregon in the final four. So let's let's see what happens there. I'm pulling for the Ducks. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think they're oh, yeah. the better football team. Get that win there. Let's move to the next one. Twelve o'clock. We're gonna we're moving into Saturday now. This game is a meh. Big Twelve, number eighteen, Oklahoma State versus number seven, Texas. At Texas is favored by fourteen and a half in this game. I mean, I'm pretty sure Texas is going to roll in this game. But here's one thing I want to point out to you that I thought this was very interesting. You know, the latest rankings come out this week, and they've got Oregon ahead of Texas. Both of these teams have one loss, right? Yes. Now, look at the resumes. 
Top 25 wins, Texas has two, Oregon has one. The best win, Texas beat Alabama, Oregon beat Oregon State. Common opponent, which is the last thing we'll look at, they both played Texas Tech. Oregon beat Texas Tech by eight. Texas beat Texas Tech by 50-plus points. So you could make a case that um, Texas could be a little butthurt here and could be out to just annihilate some people. Texas needs to go in looking for blood. This is a game that if you can, if if Stark and the boys can go in there now, they're they're minus their starting QB. If they can go in there and, and light it up, you got to and hope for a couple of dominoes to fall your way. I love Steve Sarsesian. I just butchered his last name, but I just like the second uh, the, the comeback story of who he is and the personal struggles he went through. And I want him to see him succeed. So I want Texas to win here by a bunch. And I want some chaos to get those boys in. Thomas, talk about SEC uh, championship coming up next on our docket here. Four o'clock, SEC. Really excited for this one. Number one, Georgia favored by six over number eight, Alabama. I I do think that Georgia's going to handle business here. Carson Beck has been insanely comfortable in the pocket all year. This is going to be probably most likely the best defense he's faced all season. I think Georgia's going to handle things, but you want to talk about chaos. Alabama wins this game. Chaos is what we got, my friend. Absolutely. Chaos will ensue if the if Tide comes in and beats the Bulldogs. I just I agree with you. I don't see it happening. Georgia continues. As much as they looked vulnerable at the end of the season, they have built and built and built and, and in their confidence, in their momentum, in their play. I, I think Georgia is going to win this game. I'm not calling for a blowout or anything, but I think they win this comfortably. Thomas, this next one could be a bit of a stinker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 8 o'clock, you got the Big Ten, number two Michigan, favored by 23 and a half. I don't know the last time we've seen a conference championship game oh, with that God, big of a bad. spread. Versus number 16, Iowa. Yeah, Iowa, uh, fantastic defense. Look, we're not going to lament the point that they have zero offense. Our offense coordinator is already gone. His daddy's the head coach and the defensive coordinator. (laughs) Uh, This game could get real ugly. But, (laughs) again, you want to talk about chaos. Iowa somehow pulls one out of their ass and beats Michigan in this game. I'd quite enjoy. In fact, I think Kirk Ferentz even said that he was like, "I think that'd be kind of funny if we won this game." I agree with that. I mean, you got nothing to lose if you're Iowa. Go nope. out there and lay it all out on the line. Screw up everybody else's thing, man. If that happens, the uh, you know it's chaos all over. Uh, you know it, it, that would be wow. That would shake up some things. Thomas, last game on the docket here. Uh, you know, a close line, but an interesting situation in this ACC championship, right, Thomas? Yeah, eight o'clock Saturday night. You got number 14, Louisville versus number four, Florida State. Florida State favored by two and a half points. As everybody knows, the dynamic Jordan Travis, quarterback for Florida State, is out for the year. I'm honestly, uh, Florida State is not the same team without Jordan Travis, let's be honest. They have a lot of weapons on that team, but Jordan Travis is is the heart and soul of that team. I almost won't, uh, I don't really give a give a crap about this game, but I almost want Louisville to, to win this game because Florida State without Jordan Travis just really has no business being in the playoffs. No, I agree. I think it would be better for everybody involved as much as I want to see chaos. I think it's better involved get get a get Florida State out of there. That can clear the road for a Texas who might put the the beat down on, on Oklahoma State. 
uh, you know, uh, and even an Oregon, maybe somehow if, if they lose that game bad enough and there's enough dominoes to fall, Michigan falls to Iowa, maybe Oregon and Washington both make it in. Wouldn't that be some some shit right Ooh. before the end of the, <laughs> the death nail of uh, of the Pac-12 conference? All right, Thomas. We are the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, find us on Twitter or X at at SAA Football Fan. That's at SAA Football Fan. Same on Instagram. If you want to send us an email, it's SC at, excuse me, SAA Football Fan at gmail.com. Shoot us a question or a comment. Thomas, as we head out the door, tell the people whatever you want to tell them. Everybody bundle up. It's going to be a chilly one. We got some good football. We're getting near the end. Savor every moment of it. And if you're a hardcore barbecue warrior, you're getting ready for the holidays. Don't forget, it's time to call and order that pig for Christmas. See ya. See ya.